0: Welcome to the banned library podcast. This is the podcast that talks about books and movies that have been banned or censored or you know, you know the usual stuff. People don't like them. You can follow and find us on banlibrary.com, Twitter, everywhere else. My name is Stacy Harker, librarian and writer. You can find me on Twitter at bannedwriter. If you want to help us out, go on Patreon, patreon.com/banlibrary. And I'm kind of hammering through today's thing. Or the business at hand. Whatever you want to call that nonsense. And interesting stuff has happened at the library this week. Mostly, there was this one guy. Call him Sleepy Joe. Because he doesn't like to wake up. He's a sleepy fella. Just call him that. Time comes around. Five minutes till. Wake him up. Hey Joe. Wake up. Get your ass moving. Keep going. Joe will Open up his eyes sometimes and look at us, and we'll be like, "All right, Joe's Joe's rousing not arousing, but he is getting himself up." And we're like, "Okay," and we start shutting off all the monitors and, you know, picking up books and killing rats. You know the usual closing business. And then we come back around when the closing announcement goes off, Patty. Patricia, she's now doing the closing announcement. Does okay. She's got a bit of a lisp, though, so it sounds like she's saying it's clothing time. It's confused a couple people. But not Sleepy Joe. Because we'll go back around in closing announcement. Joe, you got to go. we will have to wake him up. Just the other night, Dave and I, an IT guy, we were closing up. Sometimes Dave does double duty comes up from the basement we're trying to wake up joe except joe's having one of his dreams moving around a lot got his knife in one hand got a cigarette lighter in the other you know just like people do when they sleep in the library they have their things in their hands so they don't get taken he starts waving his knife around and we're like sleepy joe What are you doing? Finally, we sort of get him half awake, but he's like bleary-eyed, got that one eye open, one eye staring at us like something's... He don't quite recognize who we are. So I say, get the net. Dave goes, he gets the net. Throw it on Sleepy Joe. Get him wrapped up. Take him down to the basement. Dave says he'll watch him and I cut the lights off and I went home. I haven't seen Sleepy Joe in a couple days. Dave said he left on his own. I worry about that sometimes. Patricia says she's heard things. Brenda said she heard things too but I'm just going to ignore it. Because you know why? Because I'm happy. We don't normally talk about all the books and movies that I love. I mean, yeah, we've dealt with a lot of classics. A lot of things that, well, they're just so good. Why wouldn't we talk about them? Kill Mockingbird, 1984. Well, today we're covering a movie that's near and dear to my heart. Monty Python's Life of Brian. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. Most people write it off, especially where I came from. Deep South, religious folks. That's 90% of why this movie was banned. Actually, 99%. Blasphemous content. And I can go over all the different countries, but let's just go with most of them. The usual suspects, I believe. Let me see. There's Malaysia, Norway, Singapore, South Africa... I thought was interesting because it was also under apartheid when it was banned. And of course, Ireland, because, well, if you're going to have blasphemous content, might as well ban Ireland. So, this movie came about in a very interesting way. I mean, it's Monty Python. If you don't know Monty Python, I didn't look them up. If you love them, you know the history. Bunch of rich white dudes in England. All of them comedy masterminds came together at some point or another, put together a show, they let them do whatever the hell they want, and are off to the races. They put off Monty Python and the Holy Grail before this comedy masterpiece. Whether or not you love it or hate it, you have to at least say that it inspired more comedy than anything before it. I mean, come on. Whatever you like. So they're all sitting around, and according to a bunch of different stories, they start talking about, well, the life of Jesus was kind of interesting, but they all sort of got together. I believe the quote was, he was kind of a cool guy. Everything he said was technically pretty much correct. Definitely a good guy, I believe. And quote, he's not particularly funny. What he's saying is mockable. It's very decent stuff. Unquote, said Eric Idle. But the idea of having someone who's mistaken for the Messiah, well, that got pretty fucking funny, and they named him Brian. He was supposed to be like a 13th apostle, but they kind of switched around after a while when they actually got into the writing of it. And they actually got their first bit together, the Gospel According to Brian, St. Brian, sorry, by Christmas 76. And they finally got a full script together in January of 78, started actually kind of getting it all together but right before they go to film emi films who'd been you know they were going to fill the bill especially this guy named bernard Delfonte, i believe his name is he pulls out all their funding goes away so they're like fuck we are we were like months away from filming this damn thing and that's why if you actually watch the movie the very end or if you've heard a recording of The famous song, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. Eric Idle says in that, Bernie, they'll never make their money back. That's what that means. It's a little bit of a dig. But, Eric Idle had been hanging out with a couple of famous folks, one of which was George Harrison, who decided he'd make himself a film company, Handmade Films. And he'd funded with a cost of $3 million. And they joked. And they asked why he wanted to do it. He said, well, he wanted to see the movie. And I believe Terry Gilliam, or Terry Jones, said, quote, the world's most expensive movie ticket, unquote. As a reward, he is in the movie for half a second. So there is a beetle in there. He's the owner of the mount. Shakes hands. One point about an hour in. Hour ten, roughly. So it is kind of interesting the way that movie came about. Paid by a beetle. Who can say that? It was filmed around Tunisia. Uh, deserts around that area. According to Michael Palin, first scene they filmed was a stoning scene outside the wall of Ribai. Ribbit? I don't want to say that. That seems wrong. But anyway. And they had a problem with the directing. Well, at least they did on Holy Grail. Terry Jones and Terry Gilliam had a bit of an issue. Who should do what? So Terry Jones took the sole responsibility for directing, while Terry Gilliam concentrated on like the cinematography. Now and looked If you don't know anything about Terry Gilliam, he's gone on to do a couple of interesting films. But yeah, the Holy Grail had been such a mess with their directing, they decided this is exactly what we're going to do. And but apparently there was some other stuff that came up. There's a lot of history in this movie that I'm not going to really get into because we actually have to talk about the movie at some point. Why it was banned? Why? Maybe it should have been banned rather than all these blaspheming. But yeah, it was shot. Tunisia. Many locals were on there. I've got a ton of stuff here. And they finally got it together a couple months. And they cut a bunch of scenes. There are... A bunch of deleted scenes on the Criterion Collection. One big one had to do with a weird Nazi plot that only really shows up at the end. There's this, I believe it's the Judea's people front. I can't remember exactly, but their leader, yeah, the Judean people's front, is played by Eric Idle, which is another thing that goes weird in this movie. And most Monty Python movies, honestly. But it was modeled after Hitler. And Zionist. And they basically, they cut it because they were like, eh. you know all those scenes with Otto. And they made a Star of David look like a swastika. It was just a little too much. It's a hat on a hat sort of situation. There was just too much going in with the, yeah, racial impurity of the people that weren't full Jewish. It was just very strange. So they cut most of that part. There were some couple more that, you know, I don't know, they just said it was savage. It was just wrong, as far as the Zionist activities go. And it's just a good form of self-censorship that even they, and the part that is left is at the end where the crack suicide squad comes up to the crucifixion and lets it go. It turned out pretty good, and like I said, there was some countries that called it blasphemous, wouldn't let it go, but it did highlight the double standards of religion that the movie was actually promoting so it's kind of funny February 2007 the Church of St. Thomas the Martyr in Newcastle upon Tyne held a public screening with the church with song sheets, an organ and a compliment on stewards in costume so it has been at least by members of the clergy accepted as an interesting film like I said about 4 million dollar budget if you include all the Extras after actual filming made about $20 million, so it did okay. Now let's get into the plot. What is so blasphemous about this movie? Now I would go ahead right off and say, nothing. It's fucking funny. Beginning to end. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It is interesting though, if you get the... I don't remember which DVD version I had. I think I had the Criterion collection. But the. The DVD menu actually reminds me a lot of if um, you ever had the Buffy Season 1? Buffy the Vampire Slayer? The TV show? The Season 1, I believe? Where it has like It was back when DVDs were like trying to be impressive So they have all these interactive menus With all kind of interesting things I believe the Buffy Season 1 DVD Would take you through a crypt It's like a Like Tales from the Crypt or some shit Where it would like go through And I'd finally end on like one big menu board and you'd get all the choices and it was very ooh spooky cool 3d graphics were awesome this has that and then we go straight to quite honestly one of the most beautiful like composite shots there's like this big opening shot of this star leaning over a city you see three wise men making their way it's this nice composite shot that You can see Terry Gilliam's hands all over it. It's just gorgeous. The way the art direction goes together. There's these three wise men showing up at the house. But it's the wrong house. She doesn't know what Murr is. Brian sitting in the cave. This is the birth of Brian. He's been, from the beginning of his life, turned off. And by the time they actually go out and see the manger that's glowing and shit, They turn back in. They push the mom over. They grab all their shit back. the frankincense and myrrh and gold and all that. They fucking go over and talk to the people that are all pretty. And you have that big music. I don't know if you've heard the Brian theme song. But it's, it's very large and gigantic. And the singer, oh, a babe named Brian, goes through his entire life. It's excellent. And you have that over that theme by Gillian. The background, the art, really, it's just gorgeous. Then we have the Sermon on the Mount. People in the bag not understanding what's going on. Blessed are the cheesemakers they over here. Peacemakers is what it's supposed to be, but of course it's funny. And then they all get in a fight because they're talking over this guy named Jesus saying some stuff about peacemakers and meek. Inheriting the earth, isn't that nice? There's one guy named Big Nose and says, I'm going to punch the shit out of you if you don't shut the fuck up. And this is where we first get the multiple roles in one scene. Eric Idle's in one group and then he walks by in another group and we transition to another scene. As we're going to the stoning. Because Brian's mom, she's tired of this guy speaking up on the mound. She wants to see a man get stoned. But women can't go to the stoning so they're Selling beards that they can put on. And it is kind of interesting. I don't really know what it's saying here. That most of the people in the crowd for the stoning are women. Is this some kind of vindictive anti-woman? I don't know. Double standard something? The Romans are pretty apathetic altogether. And then when the main guy tells us why we're watching this man get beaten to death by rocks. It's blasphemy for saying Jehovah. And then he says the word Jehovah, and they start stoning the shit out of him. And all the Romans guards standing by just kind of yawn and be like, fucking weird. Goddamn. And then as they're walking through town, one of my favorite scenes, he's Michael Palin being an ex-leper, and he's jumping all around. Hey, can you help me out? I'm an ex-leper. I got cured. This guy touched me gave me no other way to live, so he's still begging on the streets. We learn a lot of Jewish slurs in the next scene. We learn that Brian's dad was a Roman. And he says, no, I'm not. And he rattles off a bunch of Jewish slurs about what he is. I didn't mention Graham Chapman, a bit of an alcoholic, but sobered up for this role. Because John Cleese actually wanted the role of Brian, but Graham Chapman sobered up. It's probably one of his best roles. He did a bunch of funny stuff as far as Monty Python goes, but here he's amazing. I think it was King Arthur in Holy Grail. But here's Brian. He's just he's just so bewildered about what's happening around him. And as he leaves, his mom blows a Roman soldier. Just a little blowjob joke, sure. Then when cut to the People's Front, think. And there's these basic groups that all hate each other. And the one that Brian stumbles into with Judas and Reg. Reg is the leader. They're going against the Romans and they want to take it out. But before, Loretta wants to have babies. But she can't because, well, she's a man. But it's her right to be called a woman if she wants. And to say that she wants to have babies, of course. So they're going to kidnap. They get Brian in. Let's accelerate this plot a little bit. There's a lot of funny in-jokes. They're going to kidnap Pilot's wife. Apparently there was another cutscene where Pilot's wife was going to be there. But they get in there, and it's sort of a heist film. There's narration going all the way through until Brian unites with another group. that's there also to fuck some shit up. But anyway, they start fighting together and kick the shit out of each other and kill everybody except Brian. Brian's the only one alive and he gets captured and he gets taken to pilot, Pontius Pilate, Pontius pilot who has a speech impediment and a friend called Biggith Dicketh. And Brian escapes and jumps off a roof. And here's the weirdest fucking part of this movie that probably should get it banned. It's fucking aliens. It is the weirdest minute and a half, I think. Where there's an intergalactic fight all of a sudden with this, I don't know, what—a zero century Jewish guy. He was just chased by a bunch of Roman soldiers trying to get away. And he's being, well, he's in an intergalactic fight. He goes off into space. But the spaceship gets shot down by another spaceship that's coming after him. And they got, like, they're holding their eyes on their head or something. It's very strange. I'm not fucking with you this happens in this movie until they crash and he gets out and he does a little haggling and he gets himself a, a beard it's not too bad but then he starts he tries to escape again gets back to the people's front has to hide off on this little balcony but he collapses down and falls to where all these men are preaching the good word well, he doesn't really have a whole lot of good word but he is missing a shoe and he's got a gourd because those are two things you have. And he starts preaching and he's talking and people are like, well, what the fuck does that mean? And he's like, I don't care. So he jumps down, casts off his shoes, and the other people are casting off their shoes, of course. And follow the gourd. He's only got the one gourd. What does it mean? Well, of course, everyone's got their own interpretation. But he runs out of town. He finds a big hole and he jumps in it to Hine. And there's a naked man in there says, I'm not the messiah. He says, I know you're not the messiah. I'm just hiding. says, well, this is the first time I've spoken in years. And I'm just telling you right now, a bunch of random shit, one after another. He gets out of that hole. He goes to have sex with Judith, who, honestly, even for the 70s, this girl needs a cheeseburger. She's a little skinny. She's very scary looking. But suddenly, he's got all these followers outside his house, and his mom's pissed. There are all these fucking people getting around. Well, they're there, Brian. You know, all that. So he kicks kicks him out, and he gets outside, and he says, you know, you shouldn't be like everyone else. And they say, that's a good idea. And they start chanting, we shouldn't be like everyone else. It's funny, of course, it is. And then he gets kidnapped. Of course he does. And Biggith Diggith has shown up. And it's Chapman playing that. So it's a joke that his dad was really Roman. He looks just like the guy. And there's this sort of a side joke that the Jewish groups with Reg and Judith and the others, they are planning world domination. But they are going to set up a committee to save Brian from crucifixion. And he gets picked. You want crucifixion or freedom? Another one of the funniest scenes in this. One guy says, it's the cake or death argument. Have you ever seen Eddie Izzard? Highly recommend you do. But the guy says, crucifixion or freedom. And he says, oh, I'll have freedom. the guy says, oh, well, no one's ever picked that before. Go ahead. The guy says, no, no, I'm just kidding with you. I'm crucifixion. He says, oh, you kidder. Go to the left, pick up your crucifix, head out. It's just really funny. And there's all these different groups coming to free Brian. Brian takes his cross and he carries him on. He's going down, he's walking. We know the Jewish front is going to come and save him. His mom hears about his crucifixion. She's going to come save him. The Romans decide, why not? We'll pull this guy Brian down. And then Reg and the gang show up as they've nailed him up on the cross. And he says, okay, we're here. And he said, they, they say, no, we're going to let you die. Bye. And they leave, they fuck off. And then the Romans show up and they say, okay, who's this guy named Brian? And the sarcastic guy, the guy that earlier said, you know, I'm the freedom. He says, I'm Brian. And a couple other guys say they're Brian, but sarcastic guy gets pulled down he says no 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 i'm really not brian i think it's that guy but they take him down anyway they take him off and judith shows up she loved him says hey you know what's going on you know i'm glad you're a martyr for the cause and he's like what the fuck get me down from here and mom shows up and she just leaves him alone and he's, he's sitting there, everyone and everything that he ever believed, supposed to save him. He's gonna die on that cross. What does Brian do? Does he cry to the heavens, say, "Not nah, me, O oh Lord"? Does he curse the men around him? No. Well, of course he does a couple times, but then he gets told by some guy off to his right. Don't worry Brian, whenever life gets you down, when things seem hard or tough, when people seem stupid or doffed, and you feel like you just can't have enough, always look on the bright side of life. And they start singing a song, even the suicide squad that killed themselves right before they Went to attack the Roman soldiers. That's how they took those fuckers down. Everybody's singing. To be on the bright side of life. That's how our movie ends. Not with a whimper or a bang, but... With a nice little sing-along. And of course, like I said... Banned for blasphemous content, 1979. Ireland lifted in 87. Norway... Banned it due to jokes deemed offensive. Sweden, the film, allowed it. But they screened it with the tagline, quote, The film's so funny it got banned in Norway. Unquote. They lifted it the next year in 1980. That's about it. Monty Python's Life of Brian. One of my favorite films. I did not depict it enough. You should go watch this right now. If you're a film of com- fan of comedies, this and... I believe A Fish Called Wanda. What do they have to do with each other? Well, they're both funny as hell. Beyond that, you should just watch them. That's where this episode's gonna end. Thank you for listening. Stay in. Read a book. Music, Dances and Dames by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0